Welcome to the Pitching Backwards Lefties Get Loose podcast. Here are your hosts, Griffin and Welly. Hi guys, welcome back to the third episode of Pitching Backwards. I'm Griffin Fabitz. I'm joined by my co-host Kyle Wellman. Kyle, pleasure to talk to you, my man. Always fun, Griff. Super excited to be back here and be having a conversation with just you and I. Just like the glory days of summer ball. I feel like we're on a bench somewhere watching our teammates play as we're about to warm up in a bullpen. It feels like I just went four and a third, six earned runs, and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Not much more to ask for. Yeah. Oh, glory days. The best of the best. Yeah. And uh, I'd, go, I'd pretty much give anything to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I would so, too. So last week we had Logan Porter on, which was you know really fun, something that was kind of a new experience to me. I know with your journalism background, you were a little bit more used to it, but I don't know about you, but I kind of had this feeling of being a little bit starstruck that we actually had a professional baseball player who wanted to come on and talk baseball with us and kind of talk about his story. It was pretty surreal. It was awesome. It was, um, I, I think I told you guys right after we uh, ended recording, the entire time, like 45 minutes, I was just thinking to myself, this is so great. And I really hope I'm recording and I didn't mess this up. It was it was great. I had a blast. Logan was great. It was really fun. I think it was good to get his story out there, kind of give him the opportunity to share something that, you know, most people might not know if they just saw him in a uniform. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So let's get into it, Griff. Let's go straight into this. We have a new segment that we've been planning out and we're, you know, pretty, pretty uh, interested in sharing with you guys. The idea behind it, It's titled, If I Was a Betting Man, an emphasis on if, because I am a proud constituent of the NCAA, and I would never, ever be caught gambling or betting. So this is purely hypothetical bets, and the format here, at least for this week, is I'm going to propose an over-under to Griffin. He's going to say what he thinks, and then we're going to respond and have a debate. If there is a debate, because we very well may agree on this, we don't know yet. So here's our first topic. Mike Trout, arguably the best player in baseball, over under 49.5 home runs this if he were to play a full season this year, 162 games. He's never hit 50 home runs before. He's not. But you, I think to, with anything, you have to preface it with never bet against Mike Trout. That seems safe. Now, I would be inclined to take the over... Um, let's say the next full season that that Major League Baseball has, because sure. all of a sudden Mike Trout is surrounded in a lineup with Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon, where in years past you might have been able to pitch around Mike a little bit, and you can put him on first, and you can just attack whoever's next. When when it's kind of a three headed monster of Otani, Trout, and Rendon, possibly back to back to back. Not to mention Justin Upton's there. Completely forgot about Justin Upton. That changes things. Now you can't necessarily pitch around him. Now you don't want to put a runner on for Otani, for Rendon. And I think adding Rendon, fantastic for so many reasons, but chief among them is Mike Trout's going to start to see some better pitches. I I think he is someone who, before his career is over, he will be someone who hits 50 home runs a year. What was the number you said, 49 and a half? We had 49 and a half because does he break the 50 home run barrier is the question. Yes. I will say yes, and I'm locking my answer in. That is my final answer. Kyle, what what do you think? I think I agree, but for perhaps 
different reasoning because I can see a world where you have an Otani and you have your Rendon around Mike Trout. Instead of hitting 50 jacks, he hits 45 home runs and has 207,000 hits in a season. And he bats 490, which clearly I'm kidding. But I think there's a world out there where Mike Trout doesn't hit the 50 bombs, but because he's being pitched to, he gets on base and he has seasons like 2012 where he stole 49 bases and hit 30 home runs. And and, and I can see it where he, he gets here and he hits, you know, 40 to 45, but he hits 315, you know, so, somewhere like that. So I, I think my gut tells me that I agree with you. Don't ever bet against Mike Trout. I think he's could potentially go down as the greatest baseball player ever. And so I'm going to go with the over simply because I don't want to doubt his talent. But if I were to take the under, it would only be because I see him batting 330 or 340 in an entire MLB season. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. No, and, and it brings to light the fact that like the Angels don't need him to hit 50 home runs. He's not a home run or bust kind of player. He'll hit 45 home runs and still bat 315. He is that well-rounded. But it's a fun argument. It also made me think about this when you brought this up. It made me think about, it makes me a little sad because part of me thinks are the Angels wasting Mike Trout's prime by not surrounding him with top-tier pitching because that's the Achilles heel. They have a lineup of Trout, Otani, Rendon, um, Upton, um, Andrelton Simmons, <laughs> David Fletcher, Pujols Tommy is, Listella. Tommy Listella. Pujols is still still walking. They don't have pitching. And and the frustrating thing is like they seem to take flyers on guys like five years past their prime. Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill. To their credit, they were in it this offseason. You know, Garrett Cole, there were talks of are they gonna try and land David Price? They were I think they were in it for Hinjin Ryu before he went to Toronto. So they're trying. But I mean how old is but Mike? Trying doesn't get it done in a competitive division like the AL West, right? I mean, let's let's face the facts: is you know you you got your AL East, but AL West is you know deep. Assuming the Mariners and are not going to be good, the Rangers are always you know potentially a threat. They've you know they've got Kluber, you've got the Astros who are you know we know the Astros. The Athletics are in it every year, even though people don't seem to realize that always. But you can't. If you're going to compete in a division like the American League West, or I, I, frankly any level of the major leagues, your big free agent signing is Julio Tehran, Dylan Bundy. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you know, and I'm not. That's no disrespect to those guys because they're great players, but you need an ace, and that just doesn't cut it. And so, so I, I'm trying to look at this from an unbiased perspective because obviously, with me being a huge Mariners fan, like I'm okay with that. But if you want to win, you got two absolute. I mean, at what point do you have Mike Trout, Hall of Famer, Andrelton Simmons, potential Hall of Famer from what I've read, and I would tend to agree, Albert Pujols, Hall of Famer, and you can't put together even second place in the division? You have generational talents in Trout and Otani, and you need someone better than. Trevor Cahill and Dylan Bundy. That's the bottom line. So, that being said, it would it's it's heartbreaking, isn't it, to think that you know Mike Trout needs to have a ring before he hangs it up. 
He needs to have a ring. And if lack of pitching is the reason why he doesn't, that's something you're, you, the Angels front office should be thinking about for the rest of their lives. Right, and let's not, uh, yeah, and let's not forget that you know you have all of these players, but not you. You got Joe Adele threatening the big leagues, and he's one yeah. of the top prospects in the MLB. It's like, you know, let's let's make a splash here. You know, Rendon's great, but Mike Trout puts on a backpack and carries the Angels regardless. All yeah. you have to do is not give up runs. Yeah. All right, we had another. Uh, you had another question for me, correct? I did, and this one should be interesting because you mentioned him. He uh, was in the talks earlier. So, Garrett Cole, newly signed with the Yankees. The question is, over under 20 and a half wins in a full 162-game season, considered his first season, full season with the Yankees. I know we don't look at pitcher wins as the be-all, end-all anymore, but it's this is still a fun thing to discuss. He won 20 games last year with the Astros. He won 15 the year before that. He won 19 in 2015 with the Pirates, but the next time there is a full season, I would I would take that over, that he wins more than 20 games with a lineup that has, in New York, that has Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, Giancarlo, DJ LeMayhew, Gary Sanchez, the list goes on. And I think the, the you know amazing thing about that is when Garrett Cole toes the rubber every fifth day, no matter who he plays for in Pittsburgh, Houston, New York, he gives you a chance to win. Now, if that lineup can even give, if, if this New York lineup can even give him two, three, four runs to work with, which they are more than capable of doing, I think it's it's pretty obvious that you take the over. I tend to agree. I mean, I, I think... There's a little bit of a of a question of how does anybody go and compete in New York because, you know, you've heard the stories that guys go there and they either all rise, no pun intended, or they, you know, it can eat at them, the, the big stage. But having seen Garrett Cole, I would tend to think that that doesn't bother him considering he didn't lose a game from, what was it, like May 26th until the playoffs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... It's hard to say that you would think he, he he's not going to go and win 20, 20, you know, anywhere above 20 games. But I could certainly see that there's a, there's an aspect of it's a new team, new catchers, you know, there there's all kinds of different variables that go into a new player. And, you know, he's had a season off and I see him as a guy that's only going to get better. So I'm going to take the over and I'm not very like I'm not going to budge on that one too much. But I, I just think it's it's an interesting dilemma because if he does not perform well, that will be one of the craziest busts of a free agent signing. He's getting paid a lot of money. You hope he shows up and he wins 21 games because if he does, I think the Yankees are just about as sure shot as it gets to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, though, Aaron Boone? Like he's, he's thinking, you know, when this guy takes the mound every fifth day, I need my offense to score. Give me three runs, and I'm feeling pretty good that Garrett Cole can give me six, seven innings of shutout ball, one, two-run ball. Then you turn it over to that bullpen. That's all you need. It's a dream. Right. So Garrett Cole, the last three years, he has made 33, 32, and 33 starts um, in that order. So you, you think if he makes 33 starts again— can he win 20 of those? And can our offense score three to four runs? I'm taking that bet. 
I would tend to agree. I mean, his you know, looking at a two five ERA over thirty three starts, you you're averaging you you have to score three runs. I think the Yankees are capable of going back to back to back home runs in the first inning, in the top of the first. Yeah. And so you're not asking a ton from an absolutely octane offense that you've got. Imagine too, the Yankees are on the road. Let's say they are in let's pick a city. Let's imagine they're going to Seattle, Kyle. And in the top of the first, Aaron Judge hits a three run home run. The Yankees are up three nothing in the top of the first. Garrett Cole is pitching. Does the game feel over then? Garrett Cole has a three run lead already under his belt. That's how good, you know, you feel when he takes the mound. That the game is over with a three run lead in the first inning. And and, and it's not gonna the chances are the game's not going to finish three to two either. You're, you know, it's probably going to be more like eight to one at that point. And so, I just think that there's say what you will about the Houston Astros, and I have you know everybody has their thoughts about everything that's transpired, but they are an excellent hitting team, and the Yankees are much better offensively than them. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just it's it's you got one of the more underrated hitters in all of baseball, in my opinion, in DJ LeMahieu. Any, you know, any time that he's up to bat, I, I, I'm a huge DJ LeMahieu guy. Me too. Um, just because when he was in Colorado, you know, unfortunately, there's that little asterisk of like, oh, you know, he's hitting in Colorado, and then he shows up in New York under the brightest lights of the the ble- the, the bleacher creatures. He does his thing and he hits, just hits. That's all he does. And I, I love DJ LeMahieu, but. You know, you know, it all goes back to you put that behind Garrett Cole, and I think you're going to be in a pretty, uh, pretty successful position, especially yeah. if you're Aaron Boone. We're not betting men, but if we were in these two instances, I think we would cash in. We cash in. I go yeah. all in on Garrett Cole every day of the week. Yeah. All right. What What do we got next? So, the current state of the MLB proposal and what what's going to be decided here potentially in the next couple of days. So it'll be interesting. Let's assume that we have somewhere around an 80-game season that's shortened for the 2020 year. Who do you like in each division? I'm going to just go down the list. In the AL East, I like the Yankees for obvious reasons that we just touched on. I think Tampa Bay is hot on their tails. The Rays are a team, they get overlooked a lot, right? Small market, not a very big payroll, not many, not too many big names. But they have a terrific organization. The last few years, especially, always there and really kind of closing the gap in the AL East. But it's hard to bet against this Yankees team this year. In the Central, um, I really think my Tigers are going to win about 115 games. Uh, No. Um, No. It's not 2012 anymore. I'm no longer 14. Um, and wearing uh, Detroit Tigers clothing every day to eighth grade. But um, I, I, I like the Twins. Kind of same thing with, with um, the Rays. Small market, but they just do things the right way. And they're really... They bombs. Yeah, they hit bombs. And uh, they're fun to watch. Like, it's frustrating because the last few years kind of beat up on, on my Tigers. But they just play really good baseball. And I think they are... It's hard to say this about a team that's in the same division as the team that I root for. They're fun to watch, so I like Minnesota. I think they're they've they've had a really great off season. With you had a team that absolutely mashed last year, and now you're bringing in Josh Donaldson. Well done. And That's pitching. and pitching too. Yeah, they did a very good job this year to build around with pitching. In the West, 
Um, I guess I like the Astros. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty interesting though because, um, for obvious reasons, right? How the heck do you bounce back after the tumultuous off season that they had? If 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 they stumble any bit, the A's are gonna be right there, and they they will leapfrog uh, their way to to an AL West division title. Moving over to the NL East, I love the Braves, dude. I really love the Braves. They are fun. They are exciting. Um, I think they're just starting to scratch the surface of what they can be for the next, what, 10 years with the young pitching, with Acuna, with Albies. So I really like the the NL, or, uh, the Braves in the NL East. The Central is fun because there's a lot of chaos. The Cincinnati Reds, dude, had a very, very good offseason. And overnight, it feels like this team you know, could be in the running for an NL Central title. But I don't know. I mean, you can't, I don't think you can really count the Cubs out when you still have Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi and um, Wilson Contreras. I mean, David Bodie. Yeah, they're fun. They're still there. But I think I like the Cardinals. And then finally, wrapping this up in the NL West, obviously the Dodgers. But I do like San Diego's coming, dude. San Diego's coming. They have tons of young talent. They have a shortstop that they can build around. They have my favorite, one of my favorite uh, third baseman, Manny Machado. They play in a freaking awesome ballpark. You've been a, you have been to Petco Park because I ran into you one time at Petco Park. We ran into each other. You were wearing an elf suit, the Will Ferrell elf suit. Yes. Oh yeah, that's that is. Well, I do. I didn't know we ran into each other. Oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no, a great it was a, game. It was I don't a, remember what happened, but it no. was a great game. It was an exciting. Will Ferrell was there. He was there, yes. But no, in the NL West, I like the Dodgers for obvious reasons. Okay, that that was a lot. But go ahead. Uh, all right, I got ups. Yes, you are up. All right. Well, AL East, I think that's a pretty clear cut. You know, you talked about anytime you mix Garrett Cole into the mix on a team that you know won well over a hundred games last year, I think the Yankees are a clear favorite. I, do, I, I just don't see them being better or worse than any of the other teams. I think the Rays are a lot of fun, and I love the Rays because I see a little glimpse of the Seattle Mariners in the Rays. I don't think they'll be anywhere near the Yankees, and, and I hope they are, so I'll say that, but I don't I don't see it. Red Sox are going to be down. Orioles are clearly in the midst of hopefully what's going to be a really exciting farm system. Blue Jays signed Ryu. I don't know that that's going to be enough to put them anywhere near it. So that's the AL East. I think that one's probably one of the more clear-cut divisions. AL Central. So you went with the Twins, and I like that because I, I'm i a huge Nelson Cruz guy. Loved him with the M's. think he's a great guy. Love to watch him play. They got Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill. You know, I, I think that did a lot of good for them. But I am all in 100% on the White Sox wow. to take the AL Central. And that is... An interesting take, I think, because I had a feeling that they were going to be, you know, they've got this young core, they've got Madrigal, they've got Moncada, they've got all these guys that are just, uh, Eloy Jimenez, you know, you know, pick your guys. Michael Kopech, too. Michael Kopech, and then you, you get Dallas Keuchel, but I took, when I really started to buy in on them, Griff, was when they signed Abreu, 
because Abreu is kind of a big name on the market that I feel like was going a little bit under the radar. But when they gave him a contract extension, that told me that they're looking to win now. Commitment to winning, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I just, I don't know what it is, and I'm, I'm glad I'm putting this on the record because I am all in on these guys. I, I really, really, that you know, you got, you got your Alex Colomay in the bullpen, who's not a premier arm, but is very consistent. He's a good player, and and then you got, you know, Steve Ciszek. I think, I just think there's a lot to like about that team, so I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, yeah, they had a good off season too. I, I glossed over them. But you're right. I think they added en- uh, Encarnacion as well. They did, and Yasmani, Yasmani Grandal. They got Grindal a new catcher. Behind yeah. the dish. I mean, you—that's a—that's an off season if I ever heard one. Yeah. As I'm, a, as I'm a, all in. I don't mean to interrupt, but as a fan, what better way to fire up a fan base than the initiative from a front office to say we are trying to put together a winning product? We want to win. What more can you ask for? Right. Because even then, like. If you suck, you're going to be disappointed, but you're not going to have that feeling of loss and despair of not making the playoffs since 2001, even though you set the record for most wins, which, you know, I don't know. I'm talking about the Mariners. That feeling is a fan that, that, that you feel like you just want them to buy in and just try to be good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the White Sox are doing that. I think it's a great place to play. And I can only picture if Bryce Harper would have ended up there. I think a lot of people would have jumped on with me, but I don't think they need Bryce Harper to win. So I'm all in on the AL Central. You're right. With Bryce, they were also in it for Manny Machado. I remember they signed, which is actually pretty funny looking back, they signed Yonder Alonso, and that is Manny's brother-in-law, I believe, or their good friend, something like that. And people, I remember people saying, White Sox fans saying, oh my God, they're trying to lure Manny in. They're signing his brother-in-law. They're, we're going to get Manny Machado. Not only did they not get Manny Machado, but <laughs> they were left with Yonder Alonso, which <laughs> not the, <laughs> not, <sound> interesting. <laughs> right, not the coolest consolation prize. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in short, I'm all in on the White Sox. I was excited to talk about that one, so I'll be quick with the others. AL West, um, I, I, I got to go with the Astros just because I like the talent there. I think... Losing Garrett Cole hurts a little bit, and but but I think with the you know the idea of a Force Whitley or one of those guys coming up, you, you know there's a lot to like in the AL West, at least for the Astros this year. That I think this will be their last year that they are on top of things. I think post 2020, you're looking at some really big changes in the AL West. You know, Mariners went from a you know bottom five farm system to a top ten farm system, and it basically a year and a half and they're about to have some of the biggest draft picks they've had in very recent memory and the Astros aren't going to have those picks because they lost them in the scandal I think with this shortened draft you're going to look at an Astros team that's going to kind of have a winning hangover if you will that's going to win this year but I don't I don't see them being particularly success excuse me successful for the next you know after basically after this year mm-hmm. Angels will be interesting but you know, I think for now I stick with the – I go Astros, then Athletics, then Angels. Over to the National League, the NL East, I'm big on the Phillies. I've talked a little bit before about how I love watching Didi Gregorius hit. I think that was a big, big name for them to acquire because I think he adds much better defense than a Gene Segura um, but allows Gene Segura to stay in the lineup and hit. 
in Seattle, they called him Gene Gene, the hit machine. I mean, the guy just consistently hits. I always, uh, he's always my guy on beat the streak. So that's important. I think <laughs> the Phillies management probably took that into account. You're right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going Phillies in the NL East, but I could see the Braves taking it as well. So I'm going to go Phillies this year just to make it interesting. I think it'll be fun to watch. Bryce is on a mission. To say the I least. I sure hope so. He better yeah. figure something out, man. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just think there's a lot of, like, you know, a lot of excitement in that organization. I think Philadelphia is an awesome sports town. You know, you go back to the Ryan Howard days, and, like, the way an entire city can rally around a team is pretty remarkable. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to try to make a push for it this year. NL Central, I, I know you mentioned this, but I'm big on the Reds. I think they had as good an offseason as anybody. So I'm going to stick with them. I think that, you know, you add Moustakis, and I just think it's fun to watch Aquino hit. I mean, he kind of just gets up there and rips it, and, you know, he had that crazy start to his career. And so he made a fan from life for me because he's made it super clear that his, you know, his only intention is to hit balls 450 feet to left field, mm-hmm. um, which is super exciting to watch. But, you know, other than that, you got Bauer on the mound. You got Sonny Gray. You've got Luis, Luis Castillo. Castillo. That's a fantastic rotation. I mean, in, in all honesty, maybe not Sonny Gray, but that's three at some point or very recently or now Cy Young candidates. Mm-hmm. Lot to like there. I, I think it's easy to say that you win a, a lot of back to back to back games. Yeah. You know, a lot of three game sweeps, that sort of thing. Um, NL West, I think, you know, everybody's going to say Dodgers. I, I, and I would agree. I'm hoping, I would love to see the Diamondbacks make a push. They had a, and again, I kind of glossed over them too. They did, I'm a big Mike Hazen fan. He is fantastic, and in 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 a short turnaround, he has put together a, a, an, an impressive product on the field, but he's also built up that minor league system in a few okay. short years. Yeah, they had a, they had a fantastic winter. Starling Marte, Madison, and and Mad Bum came out of nowhere. Love Mad Bum. I love him, and I love that he's in Arizona. Yeah. Because he really could have gone to make, I think, you know, some pretty, you know, he could have gone somewhere big and maybe like a contender. He hates the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he hates them with every bit of him, and he's very open about that. And I think he chose the Diamondbacks because – he wanted to go somewhere to win. Yeah. And also and beat the Dodgers, yes. And beat and I should say beat the Dodgers. And I and I think that's super, super exciting. You add Starling Marte. Um Cattell Marte, unreal. Yeah. I mean, out of nowhere he's a it truly like a five tool player and almost can I almost consider him a six tool player. And I'm inventing that because he can play anywhere on the field too, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. He runs, he hits for power, and I think everybody kind of gels around him. And I see him as kind of a face of the franchise type guy. Yeah. So I Peralta can stay healthy. Oh, there's da- a lot to like with this Diamondbacks team. David Peralta is is very underrated. Um, if he played anywhere else, he would make some team, some city, some organization very very happy. He's fantastic. I covered a, this is kind of funny. I covered a Diamondbacks game last year, and um, they played the Giants. Mad Bum pitched, I, or I believe he pitched, and afterwards, I'm waiting outside the Diamondbacks clubhouse, I'm waiting for the clubhouse to open. Mad Bum and 
two guys, not players, I, they might have been family members, they walk by me. Kyle, Madison Bumgarner is the biggest human I have ever <laughs> seen. He was big old cowboy boots, big cowboy oh, yeah. hat. He was like 6'5", 250. He was enormous. I'd, I'd be that huge. He is the definition of country. I could have, I, mean, I could have, I could have fit in his pocket, Kyle. He is that big. He's that big. He's huge. I mean, I can notice like he's got those. I mean, not to comment on his physique, but he's got those g- giant legs. He, you know, he's an absolute workhorse on the mound. But I don't know. Have you? One of my favorite things about Madison Bumgarner that I think sums him up even more than having a hidden ranch in Arizona, which I know a lot of people have heard about. But there's a story that I heard, and I'm not going to say there's any validity to it. But when the Giants won their most recent World Series, they went to do their parade. And Mad Bum told management, who I'm guessing is Bruce Bochy because he knew he could pretty much do whatever he wanted, that he wasn't going to be in the parade unless he could ride a horse. Have you heard this story? No, but he rode a horse, didn't he? He did. It worked. Because they told they told him. They said, "No, you're our, you know, our ace. You're the face of the franchise. You know, World Series MVP. You're not riding a horse." And he said, "No, like I'm not going to be in this parade." And he rode a horse. Yeah. And 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 that just I just love him. I love everything he stands for. He hates the Dodgers. He he's loyal enough that he would be willing to go to another team just to beat the Dodgers he's all country and apparently he dwarfs Griffin he does which is not I mean it's not the most impossible thing to do but he did it spectacularly he did a, he did a very good job of that I think a lot of hitters would disagree I think I think a lot of hitters have had to stare up at a nasty gnarly Griffin Fabbits on the mound and they've probably been very very scared for their lives at some point dude the 70 mile an hour heat It'll get you. There was a knuckleball for a minute too. There, there was a knuckleball. There was a knuckleball. Yes. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about some KBO, Kyle, because we are huge KBO fans now. Always have been, right? Yeah. Well, I'm all in on the Latte Giants. Um, huge Deho Lee guy here. Lo- I I did love Deho Lee when he played for the Mariners, and for those who are super keen on Korean baseball, um, Deho Lee is a right-handed hitter who I'm looking up his size right now is a monstrous human being he's listed from when he played in the MLB at six foot four 250 pounds but the last that I looked he was listed on the Korean website at 275 pounds oh okay <laughs> and he hit he hit thir- something like thirty three home runs last year in the KBO, so that was all I needed. I was all in on the Latte Giants. They're terrible, and I have an affinity for cheering for terrible teams. Right. And so, so Latte Giants. That's my pick. I thought uh, it's been super fun to watch the games. There's been some really really cool differences in style of baseball, which is just awesome to me. I love the fact that you can check out an entirely different culture around the same sport. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been, 
one, it's been the only live sports for quite some time. So, of course, we're going to gravitate toward that. Two, I've, I've, I've really been impressed by the, the quality of play. Like, um, I don't know what I was expecting. I, you know, it's not like I'm expecting, you know, little league level play where there are, you know, six, seven errors a game. No, it's been really good. I, I watched a kind of opening day the other night, first play of the game left fielder makes a like a crashing catch into the the wall down the left field line next play you know right fielder makes a nice running catch in the gap and it's like wow this is pretty solid and i'm as you know so many people know i'm a huge nc dinos fan um i've been i love my dinos for and i have for quite some time i think since um last wednesday um and and we're hot right now dude dinos are hot I think we were uh, four and one the other day. Last I checked, so dinos are hot. They're. Uh, I have a funny uh, dino story. Aaron Altair is an outfielder for the NC Dinos, my beloved Dinos. He used to play in the MLB for the Phillies. A few years ago, I worked at a coffee shop in in my town, and this big dude comes walking in, and right away I was like, "That is Aaron Altair." And how did I know that? Because he is six foot five and like 250 pounds and he was wearing a Philadelphia Phillies workout shirt. So I was like, okay, I know for a fact that is Aaron Altair. So I kind of play it cool. Didn't want to bug him. He was with his wife. So he orders his drink and I, I make his drink. I give it to him and I said, Hey, good luck this year. And he looked up and he smiled and he was like, Oh, thank you, bro. I appreciate that. And he was super moved. And I was like, oh my gosh, like now I feel super moved. I was the one who was nervous. And so I tweet something about, you know, I just made a coffee for Aaron Altair, something along those lines. Super cool. I didn't even tag him, but he found my tweet and he he later responds and he says, you know, something about thank you so much. Best caramel macchiato I've ever had. (laughs) And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Now he's my boy, and he is leading the charge for my uh, NC Dinos fandom. And not to mention, he is leading the charge for the NC Dinos, who have the best mascot in all of the KBO. That's right. It's His name is, and I don't want to butcher this, so it's, yes, his name is the Swole Daddy. That is correct. He is a long-necked dinosaur who is green, has a necklace, and is referred to as Swole Daddy. What more can I mean, has me questioning my Latte Giants fandom as soon as I heard that. I, I would have killed to, to have been in that meeting. Like, what are we going to name the mascot? How about Danny the Dino? And someone goes, no, 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 no. Swole Daddy. <laughs> Swole Daddy. And then you have to think that there was probably that same room full of people. Everybody said, Yes, like that's it. <laughs> yes, Swole Daddy is it? Yes. <laughs> there was a they, they said like you know I would imagine that wasn't a split vote. It was probably unanimous. Right. Yeah. Um. So okay. So as we get sidetracked talking about KBO mascots, something I wanted to point out to you that we we had texted about while we were watching opening day, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Runner on second in the KBO, and I noticed this multiple times and pointed it out to you. The catcher doesn't give very many signs. And, and I noticed, like, just a couple of weird, like, quirks about the KBO that I, I loved, and that was kind of one of them, and I don't know why that stuck out to me. 
but it was almost like I got the impression that it was an etiquette thing. Like, teams don't steal signs in the KBO. Like, you just don't do that. Or maybe, like, you know, it just happened to be a pitcher on the mound that we weren't paying attention. You know, there wasn't anything they were worried about. But what, what did you think about that? I, I, I don't know if you were able to watch. Um, I think I fell asleep, probably. But, so my question to you is, is there a meeting at the mound? Bef- like, if there's a runner on second, do they meet at the mound before and go you know, hey, this is what we're going to sequence. I'm not putting down signs. Was there any of that? Not that I caught on to because it, it was the first starter of the game. Yeah. The lefty for that Cidados. Yeah. And and I just, I don't know what it is, Griff. There's something about watching baseball and other cultures where they put emphasis on things that we don't necessarily emphasize in the United States. So bat flips are kind of a talk in in at least in the KBO and from what I've watched of the um, Taiwanese baseball, they they love their bat flips. And that's part of, like, if you don't bat flip, you're weird. Eric Dames talked about that a little bit pregame. But that that part of things, and then I love the the chatter. It's, it toes the line between men's beer league and middle school softball chatter. That these you can hear them yelling between every pitch, every player. You know, the guy throws a strike. It's hey, you know, the whole the whole nine. And I, I, I just love that. I really, really do. We have the bat flips. We have the chatter. We have personalities seem to shine through. I think to the Dominican Winter Leagues, the emotion there is off the charts. Like I remember watching a clip. Mm-hmm. It was like the seventh inning. There was like a go ahead. You know, someone brings in a go-ahead run with a double. The entire dugout will pour out and meet the guy at home plate like he just hit a walk-off. And and the crowds are going wild. And it makes me think, is Major League Baseball just too stiff? Are we too sensitive? Or, you know, can you not bat flip because you don't want to hurt the pitcher's feelings? Are there too many unwritten rules that we blindly follow? Let's see some emotion. Let's see some personalities. And... It's fun to see how different cultures around the world embrace that. And that's and, and I totally agree. And I think there's a certain level of people in the United States, unless Yasiel Puig plays for your team, typically are not huge Yasiel Puig guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I love Yasiel Puig, and I think I'm not saying everybody dislikes him, but I, I think he wasn't as warmly received as a Paul Goldschmidt. You know, a guy who doesn't play with a ton of, like, I shouldn't say energy, but, but flair to him. Whereas in these other countries that I'm watching and what I've what this whole sports band has opened me up to is that there's a world out there where every player plays like Yasiel Puig mm-hmm. or players of the like. You know why Yasiel Puig is, is good for baseball? Because we are still talking about him to this day. When he made his debut in, I want to say, 2013, his first, like, eight games, wild. He um he lit it up. He was going crazy. He, yes, yes, he lit it up. He brought a new flair to Los Angeles, and it got people talking about baseball and the Dodgers and Yasiel Puig, and it worked. And I would love, love, love to see more of that because it works and it gets people talking about the sport. And that's 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 what I love. And I, I, and 
the the funniest part to me about the whole Puig thing is well, I, there's so many funny parts. You know, the guy <laughs> will fight anybody. He bat flips. He yells. He talks to fans during innings. You know, he's just he's a I mean he's a blast. But he's out here licking baseball bats and literally just being a kid. And and I think as cheesy as it sounds, we see a part of us in that that everybody always says, oh, if I could play Major League Baseball, you know, I'd be having so much fun and I w- I'd do it for free and yada yada. Puig plays like we all say we would play. And I love that. And I really hope that this sporting ban because of the coronavirus will open up a whole world of baseball that we realize, like, hey, we don't have to be suits in baseball. Like, we can go have fun and there can be, you know, you can have guys who are quiet and mild-mannered and you can have Yasiel Puig's and they can coexist and it'll be good for the sport. And you, and you should be able to celebrate a home run and then not worry about taking 95 to the ribs in your next at-bat. That should be kind of, Yeah, and, and, and I think there's, you know, there's a level of American baseball where that's just part of the game is what, but why? Why does it have to be part of the game? Why can't a guy just play how he wants to play? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you what, like, Pedro Martinez loved to hit batters when they bat flipped off him. He was the guy that was staring him down when he struck him out, too. So there's some give and take there. It's not, you know, all one-sided. And I just think I love what this whole thing is doing for baseball. In in a few words, that's I love what the KBO and what these other international leagues are doing for potentially the MLB. And I hope that we see the changes that we're seeing the way the games are played there transfer to Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's a wonderful opportunity to allow us to see baseball through a different lens that we aren't used to seeing. So it's cool. I mean, we've had we've had some fun going back and forth watching the KBO. It, it's fun to see late at night so many people talking about baseball on our Twitter timelines. It's fun. It's different. It's unique. But Kyle, it's baseball and it's live. It's not some you know. 1994 replay that we've been watching on MLB Network or whatever. It's live baseball. Of course, we're going to watch it. And it's dudes that hustle and hustle and hustle. And it, and it makes me feel like I miss it. I miss baseball, Griffin. And and I, I it makes you love it even more because you see this and it's like, man, I, w- I want to see Giancarlo Stanton hit a ball 800 feet that explodes before it hits the seats. You know, I want to see Bryce Harper's flow and his bat flips. Even though, even guys you don't, guys you don't like, it's like I just want to see them. And and I love this. I love baseball, and I'm happy that it's on TV. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that in the next days they tell us MLB baseball is back, and I get to watch the Mariners win 68 games this year. 68 out of out of 80, right? They're going to go 68 and 12. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I think that does it for this episode. Kyle, is there anything else that we can end this on? I think that's about it, Griff. Um, I guess we can kind of mention that we've got some really cool guests in the work, and we've had a lot of fun sharing the podcast with you all you know, so far. And We just hope that as it continues to grow that you stick with us and you know keep tuning in back in each week that we can just continue to share our love for the game and and teach you guys something maybe we can learn from you guys perfectly said that is episode three of pitching backwards and we will see you guys next week thank you so much for tuning into pitching backwards lefties get loose a podcast about all things baseball give us a follow on twitter at pitching 
B-C-K-W-R-D-S, and join us in loving America's pastime.